Good morning, worshipers, First Baptist Church family. Let's sing together today songs of grace. Amazing grace.
Welcome church family and iCampus viewers. What a special day this is. We have some of our high school seniors singing with us today. We've got mothers singing with us today. And you are here with us today. How grateful we are that you are worshiping with us. Many of you know the routine by now, but just in case, we want to connect with you. There is an online connection card we'd love for you to complete. On Facebook and YouTube, there is a link in the comments if you're watching on our website, just follow the link for the connection card. If we can pray for you, complete the prayer request section on those cards for us as well. Again, what a wonderful day to be in the presence of the Lord. Happy Mother's Day. Congratulations, seniors. We are all children of the King, and to Him we sing.
Amen. Amen. Zach, come share with us for our seniors today. All right. First of all, I want to say happy Mother's Day to all the mothers who are watching, uh, including my own. Hi, Mom. Always wanted to do that, and that feels pretty cool. Check that off. Um, but I also want to turn our attention for just a few moments to our seniors. This was supposed to be a big weekend. This was supposed to be a weekend where they're celebrating with their friends and family all of their accomplishments, uh, walking down the aisle with their cap and gown, receiving that diploma, um, and just having a special fellowship with each other. And so uh, we are, are waiting that time. There will be a day where we're able to do that as a church family and celebrate with you seniors uh, and your friends and your family. But right now, um, as a small uh, token of our appreciation for you and our love for you, we have a short little video that we want to show you. I hope you feel celebrated today, seniors. We're so thankful for our seniors today, and we just want to recognize them and honor them and pray for them, and we just want to sing some songs that just talks about the importance of the guidance of the Lord in their lives, our lives, and in the lives of our mothers. So we want you to sing with us today, Everlasting God, our strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. 
Let's sing this together. We want to hear you. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. faithfulness today. Never once has he ever let us down. Standing on this mountain top, looking just how far we've come, knowing that for every step you were with us. Kneeling on this battleground, seeing just how much you've done, knowing every 
My foes are many, they rise against me, but I will hold my ground. I will not fear the war, I will not fear the storm, my help is on the way, my help is on the way.
grateful we are for that word from the Lord that our God is always with us and I invite you to turn in your copy of God's word to Psalm 90. We're going to return to our series on the Lord's Prayer next Sunday but today we focus on this particular passage as we celebrate Mother's Day. You know a couple of weeks ago while talking with one of our church families on the phone I was talking with them and sharing with them how I was enjoying during this time of uh, quarantine and a little bit different schedule, having some time to go and help out my mom a little bit and accomplish some projects that we've been wanting to do at her place for a few years now. And uh, this particular person told me, you know what we tell our son? We tell him the best gift you can give us is your time. How true is that statement? It captured me that uh, there's so much about that that we need to think about. Time is the greatest gift we can give because it is the most valuable thing that we have. You can always earn more money. You can always buy more stuff, but you can never get more time. Besides, when it's all said and done, it's the time that we've spent together that we most cherish for example, my favorite hunting trip that I ever took with my dad happened during one time when I was home from seminary. Had a limited amount of time when we could go hunt, and so we drove out on one particular morning to some property we have about 30 minutes from home, and we got there ready to hunt, only to be greeted by a downpour. There we waited in the darkness, waiting for the um, rain to finally stop. And after an hour or so of talking and waiting, Daddy looked at me and he said, Well, Stu, looks like we're not hunting today. We turned around and we drove home. We never loaded our guns. We never got out of the truck. And we certainly never killed anything. But to this day, that 
was my favorite hunting trip ever with my dad because we spent time talking in that truck uninterrupted during a season of life when I wasn't getting to do that with my dad very much. I hope that you've come to realize in this time of life and through your life that it's all about the time. It's not the destination that makes the vacation special. It's the time you spend together. It's not the fishing trip or whether you caught anything or not. It's the time you spent together. It's not the date that you went on or where you went. It's the time that you spent together. It's not the meal that you prepared. It's the time you spent together putting it together. We just hope it's edible and doesn't make anybody sick. It's the time. Time is our most precious resource and the greatest gift that we can give. And most mothers model the gift of time for us better than anybody else. Moms give children their time even when they really don't have any time to give. My mom certainly did. I have no idea how she taught school, coached, taught Sunday school, and did a ton of stuff around the house and with my dad, but still had time to help me with every school project and call out assignments and help me to prepare for tests. You know, many of you know my mom was a, a really talented coach. She was a very good coach, but there's no telling how much better of a coach she would have been if she wouldn't have had to spend time on the way to ball games holding up flashcards to me in the back seat or calling out test questions while dad drove us. Now, let me just say, Mom, I would have been perfectly fine if you would not have done that on the way to every ball game. But what Mom showed me was that she was giving me her time, and it was valuable. Like it probably has you, this pandemic has reminded me of some things about time. Now, these are things I knew, but I didn't always heed. And now that I have been forced to heed these lessons in some ways and been allowed to heed them in others, I don't want to go back. Time is valuable, and we need to use it to the best of our ability to live the best life possible for the glory of God. And so this morning, I'd like for us to review those lessons as found in this text for today and as modeled by our moms. Psalm 90 has been called the oldest psalm because it has been attributed to Moses. And if that's the case, the psalm was written for the tribes in the desert who were wandering during those 40 years before they were going to be allowed to go into the promised land. The psalm declares God's faithfulness, and then it contrasts God's eternity with man's frailty. As we journey through this psalm today, you're going to recognize some lines. And you're going to probably think, now where have I heard this before? If you guess a funeral, you're right. Because this psalm is mainly used at funerals. But that might cause you to have some sad thoughts or some anxious thoughts. Don't go there today. Because you see... I want to take a positive and a hopeful look as we encounter this psalm today because while it mentions death, the psalm is not about death. While it may talk about things in the end and life coming to an end, it's not about ending. This psalm is not about dying. It is about living. Specifically, Psalm 90 reminds us how we should use our time so that 
the life we live may leave things that endure. So let's consider these life lessons on this Mother's Day. And the first thing that Moses teaches us is that we must live life with God. Look at verses 1 through 6. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They're like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. Moses begins this psalm by picturing and viewing God as a dwelling place. The Hebrew word for that idea captures the thought of a refuge or a shelter or a habitation. Nearly all modern translations, though, take this word and say dwelling place. Think about that word, dwelling place. A dwelling place is not a place you visit. It is a place you stay it is not a place that you run to as needed, like kids run to base when they're playing tag. A dwelling place is a place you live, a place you remain. Using a new idea offered by our present predicament, we might say that in God we shelter at home. The difference is we don't have to stay in one place at one address God goes with us wherever we might go. As we live our lives, we live our lives with God. Just as a turtle or a snail carry their dwelling place with them wherever they may go, so God is with those who fear him. He encamps around them. This is how we live life with God. He is always with us. Moses says that all generations of God's people find their home in God because he is eternal. Moses encourages us to look at the majestic mountains and to think about the fact that before they were raised up or before they were carved out, God was. He was before the earth was formed. He will be when the earth is no more. So that means he was here when you were born and he will be here after you die. A thousand years is a long time to us. But to God, a millennium is but a day. Our lives, even the longest of our lives, are like grass. It sprouts up fresh and green and new in the morning. But by evening it's dry and withered. Therefore, we must live our life with God. God must be your dwelling place. God cannot be a place you run to on Sunday or only when you have a problem. He cannot be your sometime God. He must be your all-the-time God. And if God is your all-the-time God, then he will always be your own-time God, meeting the needs you have in your life at the very moment you need him to meet them. You must live life with God, though, for him to be able to do that. Did you ever want to escape the shadow of your parents growing up? Boy, I did. When I went to high school, I found myself surrounded by people who 
knew my parents from my principals to my coach to my teachers. And as a high school student, I saw that as a liability, not because I wanted to get into trouble and to do whatever and not be, and not, my parents not find out. It's simply because I wanted to be Stuart, not Charles and Kathy's son. Well, as high school went on, I dealt with that liability. And then when I went to college at Louisiana College, I thought, now's my chance. I'm going to be my own person. Well, guess what? Not. Even there. People knew my parents. Aren't you Charles and Kathy's son? And, but by the end of college, I came to realize something. Having that shadow of my parents over me wasn't a liability. It was a big benefit. And when I moved all the way over to Fort Worth, Texas and started seminary, I found out just how much I missed that benefit that I had enjoyed the eight years previous. Sometimes we kids want to get out from under the shadow of our parents. But that shadow is a place of protection. It's a place of comfort. That dwelling place allows us to grow and mature when we're most vulnerable. It provides us with the assistance we need to live life in good days. Likewise, that's what being in the dwelling place of God does for us as well. We need Him to be our dwelling place so we can live with Him. His presence in our lives is a benefit, not a liability. The people with whom he puts you in contact, the places he leads you, the guidance he gives are all benefits. And while at times you may be frustrated with his ways, you may be frustrated with his will, you will find that always his will and his ways are best because they are so far beyond what we can imagine. You'll find that his is the best place to dwell. So perhaps we should put it this way. If you want to have the time of your life, then spend the time of your life with God. We must live with God. May God be your dwelling place. Pray as the psalmist did. Psalm 31 verses 14 and 15 say, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. And now listen, my times are are in your hands. Dwell in God. Do life with God. But also, Moses tells us, not only must we live life with God, but we must live life according to God. Look down at verse 10. The length of our days is 70 years, or 80, if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Again, Moses focuses on life, but the fleetingness of it. Though here he also mentions the struggles that life brings. Life has troubles and sorrows, and we often live from trouble to sorrow because we live in a fallen world. And even on the most beautiful of days, we're reminded of that fact. Earlier this week, on Wednesday and Thursday, I led in the funeral services at Graveside for two of our members, Charlie Weber and Luke Radford. And both of those days at the Graveside were beautiful days. The sun was out, the skies were clear, the air was cool, 
But even on the most beautiful of earth days, we were reminded of the fallen nature of this world in a very clear way. For one, we were standing at the grave of a loved one while surrounded by thousands of other graves. Likewise, we were standing there socially distanced, wearing masks, couldn't hug, couldn't do the things we normally do because of this viral pandemic going on and the fear that's been associated with it. There on the most beautiful of earth days, we were reminded that we live in a fallen world. And since this world is fallen and tainted by the effects of sin and death, the only way to have the time of your life in this world is to spend your life by living it according to God. Moses prays, teach us to number our days aright so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The plea there is that we might keep an accounting of our days. We know how many days we've lived and so we can anticipate how many we have left. And, and we must make the most of those. Back in verse 10, Moses says the length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. You know, it's interesting to me that even though this psalm was written thousands of years ago, not much has changed in terms of the life expectancy of humans. In fact, right now, even with all of our modern medical advances, the average lifespan of an American is about 78 years. 70, 80 if we have the strength. Some live far shorter, of course. Others live a little bit longer both of my grandparents, both of my granddads died in their 50s. One grandma died in her 70s. The other one died in her 90s. My dad died at 75. I'm 43. Now, I consider myself pretty young. But when I look at the majority of those who've gone before me and my family, I have less time ahead of me than I have behind me. Now, you can bet I'm banking on those genes from Momo who lived in 96 but that's just one of those grandparents and not my dad either. And so we've got to learn how to number our days. What do we have left? What does God want to accomplish with us in those remaining days? Speaking of my grandma, my momma that many of you know, both of my grandmas were soap opera addicts. And I'll call them that since both of them are in heaven now. But their favorite soap opera was days of our lives. And that's probably because they started watching those soaps back when KALB was the only television station in central Louisiana. And so they got hooked on NBC's soap opera, Days of Our Lives. One of my uncles talks about calling my grandma Holloway from when he was living in California. And he called, check on her, see what was going on. And she started talking about all these people that were having all these crazy problems with their lives. And, and he said, man, this is nuts. I don't know who these people are, but their lives are messed up. And then he finally realized she was talking about the people on Days of Our Lives. Something crazy. That show, if you know, opened with an hourglass and a voiceover that said, like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Now, admit it. How many of you quoted that with me right then? Now, while the, the rest of the show was pretty much a mess, the opening statement was true. Our, our lives are like sands through the hourglass. There's only so much time, and they're 
slipping away day by day. Therefore, we need to be careful to number our days and live our lives according to God. Paul writes in Ephesians 5, 15 and 17, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. To have the best life possible, you must live life according to God. That'll help you live your life according to his purpose. That'll thus bring about his purposes in your life, which will then bring you peace and satisfaction. So do some assessment right now. How much time could you have left? The math is pretty simple. Some of us could have a lot. Some of us could have not very much. What does God want you to make with what you have left? Has this season of life helped you realize that a little more time at home is a good thing, even once things get back to normal? Have you recognized that there were some little G gods in your life that have been knocked off their pedestals right now, and you want to make sure that they never go back on? Have you realized that you valued some things that you shouldn't have valued as much and didn't value some other things that you should have valued more? Have you realized you had some priorities out of order and this reset has helped you fix that? Friends, if you've been numbering your days and reassessing, then be careful. As things start to come back, don't bring back the things that don't need to come back. Because that'll help you do the final thing Moses tells us, and that is live life for God. If you skip down to verse 17, you see this. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. It doesn't matter what you do in life. It's God that makes those things matter. When his favor rests upon what we do, he will establish the work of our hands and make it matter. But here's the thing. He can't make things matter that don't matter. God can't make things matter that don't matter. If what you invest your time in today won't matter 10 years from now, God's not going to make it matter. God is not going to touch something that's not going to impact his kingdom and his glory and his eternity. If it doesn't matter, he can't make it matter. What you do today, if it'll matter 10 years from now, then you can bet God will establish the work of your hands. Here's another way to look at living life for God. In everything you set to do, ask yourself, can I ask God to establish this. Can I ask God to establish this? If you find yourself saying, mm, I can't ask God to bless this, then you probably don't need to mess with it. You see, God doesn't bless mess. He blesses what is best. If it doesn't matter to God, it shouldn't matter to you. Live life for God by living for what matters to God. You'll be amazed how when your life makes a difference for his kingdom, your little kingdom will be established as well. Your family will have a godly legacy. You will impact the future. Oh, you may not have your name on some building that will last for a 
generation or so, or nobody may write a, a biography about you, but you will impact the generations. Those generations that follow may never know your name, but they will be impacted by God's establishing of the work of your hands. They will be an answer to your prayers to God. Lord, establish the work of my hands, just as you are an answer to the prayers of your parents and grandparents, that their work might be established as well. This pandemic is teaching us how to spend this greatest treasure we have in life of our time. Your mom has given you the greatest gift many times. She's modeled how to give time selflessly. This text has taught us how to use the time we have to live with God and according to God and for God. As we move from this day and as we prepare to hopefully return a little bit back to normal in the coming weeks and months, may we pray that God would help us to use our time wisely, to invest it in things that matter, and to never go back to the way things were. May it never be the same. In Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are grateful for your word. And God, I thank you for the challenge to live rightly in this day. Lord, help us to do things that bring you honor, things that you can bless so that the greatest kingdom impact can be made. Lord, bless our moms today. Lord, for those moms that are in heaven today, we thank you for them. And we thank you for the blessing that they were while they were here. And we pray, Lord, that you would establish the work of their hands. For those ladies who were like moms to us and stepped in and showed us and gifted us with time and love, we thank you for them as well. And we pray your blessing on them. God, help us all to yield our lives to you. And God, right now, I pray for those who are praying this prayer with me but have never trusted you as their Lord and Savior. And I pray that right now, they would ask you to come into their heart and life. Lord, change them by the power of your gospel. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to share with us the decision that you've made today to trust the Lord or maybe become a member of our church or something else that the Lord's laying on your heart, or maybe you just need more information about any of these kind of decisions that you might make, please complete that decision card that's placed in, as a link there on Facebook or YouTube or our website so that we can follow up with you and we can help you through that decision. We pray that, the God, that God is going to continue to guide and to bless you and do exceedingly beyond what you can ask or imagine as you yield your days and your time to him. Let's continue worshiping the Lord as we wrap up our service. We're hoping it's soon that we can come back together again. But right now, may we exalt the Lord in our places scattered today. As we seek to live our life for the Lord, we recognize that it's all because of Jesus. We sing this song of celebration as we close our service today. Grateful that you're with us. Let's worship together.
Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great week.